2: Welcome, everybody, to the Abu Dhabi paddock after the final race of the season, which was completely dominated from start to finish by the world champion Max Verstappen. Max Verstappen
3: wins the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix to take his 15th win of the 2022 season. Second place goes to Charles Leclerc. He has taken second place in the Drivers' Championship from Sergio Perez, who has to settle for third on track
4: and third in the points.
2: We're going to break it all down here on F1 Nation and we've got the band back together for you. Natalie Pinkham, Damon Hill, myself, Tom Clarkson will talk you through everything that's happened. And we've got some guests in no particular order. Mark Janais, George Russell, Toto and Susie Wolfe, Otmar Safnauer and Alex Albon. We hope you enjoy the show. I thought the race summed up the season. Max Verstappen, utterly dominant, looking after his tyres. I felt he could have done anything. Also Charles Leclerc. He was there
3: right in his tail. Wasn't he pushing to the end, don't you think? I mean, thought it was a great race by Ferrari.
2: But look, let's just deal with Max, first of all. And just the bounce back from Brazil. The car was off the pace and then there was the controversy about him not letting Checo through for sixth place, which actually could have hurt Checo as things panned out. I thought the way Red Bull came back this weekend, you know, Max didn't even do FP1 because Liam Lawson, the F2 driver, was in his car. And yet just they nailed it.
0: Absolutely. They say that a week is a long time in politics. It's even longer in Formula One. And I think actually the way that Red Bull came out and dealt with that, drew a line under it. They did a show of unity with that team photo on Thursday night. And you're right. Max's race tonight was like a microcosm of the season. I just wanted to get the word microcosm into this podcast. <laughs> but it was because it was calm, it was controlled. He made it look easy. It had smacks
2: of Mexico, I thought, where his tyre saving was just utterly brilliant. And um, he's so calm. Yeah. When you listen to him on the... Were you like that on the radio? I couldn't breathe, let <laughs> alone talk. But isn't he? He's just like essentials. him and GP are just having a chat in the pub. Well, it's quite,
3: yeah. I mean, to be fair, in our day, we didn't have the ready communication they have now. I mean, people didn't come on the radio. It wasn't it wasn't the conversations. They are talking to them all the time and they need that feedback because of the tyre strategies and so forth. It's a real hallmark, I think, of the great drivers. When George was told he got a five-second penalty, he didn't go, oh, no, I've got a five-second penalty. He immediately said, right, we've got to go long because that is now the best strategy. He immediately switched to plan B and the presence of
2: mind of those drivers is, is phenomenal a mark of just how good Max has been this year is when you look at the qualifying head-to-head everyone's you know Christian Horner will tell you what a step forward Checo Perez has made this year yet the qualifying head-to-head between Max and Checo this year 18-4 oh, wow. in Max's favour oh, it's huge I isn't know it
0: know that. yeah I mean it doesn't come as a surprise but I am nevertheless surprised because that is that's dominant the only thing that Max
2: might have been able to do today I thought was back up Leclerc into his teammate a little bit like funnily enough Checo did last year when he's when he slowed Lewis Hamilton down do you
3: are think? you joking you don't want a guy breathing all over your gearbox when you're leading your race you don't want to give but it to, it to help him his you? Teammate to they help get you how, how much can he okay all right you're just going to encourage him and he'll get DRS and then fly past you
0: Do you know, I think after everything that happened in Brazil, had there been an obvious opportunity to help Checo, I'm sure Max would have done it. He really emphasized the importance of teamwork pre-race. It wasn't, to me, an obvious opportunity. I think that ultimately the two-stop was Checo's undoing. I felt like he had a lot of work to do. And they were underestimating Leclerc if they thought that he wouldn't be able to defend. But he did defend with all his might at the end. It looked like Checo might catch him.
2: I actually sympathize with Red Bull. I think when you look at the last few races from Ferrari, their tire egg has been much higher than Red Bull. So I think they would have quite rightly thought that Leclerc's tires were going to go off, and they didn't because Charles absolutely nailed.
0: Yeah, he did. he did, and he should take full credit for that. I mean, he was beaming in the pen tonight. Really interesting because at the beginning of the season, members are sitting in Bahrain when they had the one-two and we thought they're going to be dominant all season. And actually, you saw Real celebration in his eyes and those of the team because really P2 in both the drivers and constructors was a job well done for them considering everything they've been through this year.
2: Charles made the point in the press conference, he said there are three areas that we need to improve on. strategy. That's <laughs> laughing.
0: Well I feel like you're going to cover off some big areas strategy, reliability, performance,
2: and tire deck. So yes, performance. Okay. You nailed it. Okay. You, well, that's pretty much everything, isn't it? And of course, he's saying that on the back of, you know, the rumor mill coming into this race. There was a lot of speculation about the future of Mattia Benotto at the team. Um Mattia has been asked it a 100 times this weekend. What is your reaction to those stories? And he said, well, uh, there are always stories at Ferrari.
0: That's the thing. I feel like Ferrari are under an undue amount of pressure. It just feels like Ferrari have more pressure. I mean, I'm sure other teams will disagree, but it always feels like burning under the spotlight.
3: Yeah, Ferrari belongs to Italy, doesn't it? It's like uh, it's like the Houses of Parliament in in, in England. You know, it's our it's, it belongs to us and we have every right to to pressure all the people who work for us and, and the civil servants. So if you're a, the head of Ferrari, unless you're Enzo Ferrari, you you are going to be put under the most ridiculous amount of pressure. To deliver for them, um, even though it's not actually factually, it belongs to Fiat, I think, doesn't it? It's still, so uh, it's not actually uh, a public institution, but it's the national team of Italy.
2: Well, look, now is a good time to bring in Ferrari test driver Mark Janet, who I caught up with while you guys were just coming off air on Sky. Mark, it's the end of a long, hard season. Charlotte's got that P2 in the championship, you've got P2 in the team's championship as well.
4: Just what's the feeling at Ferrari? It's a very good feeling. Um, constructors, we we knew we had the upper hand, but you still had to finish the job, and but we did it in style, you know. And then uh, Charles' race was superb today. I mean, he I think he he was the best driver out there. Uh, he did everything perfect. Uh, the team did everything perfect. Great pit stops, great strategy. Um, so I mean, to finish like that, I know the books. No one will remember who finished second, but that gives us great morale back in Maranello, and and our memory human beings memory is very short but you always remember the last thing you know so believe me that it, it, it is more important than you think the second place today because it we were fighting against red bull and we finished ahead of one of the red bulls you know that is quite an achievement
2: now in what areas do you feel ferrari needs to take a step forward as we go into 2023
4: yeah i mean we we made mistakes this year first reliability but we knew that you know we wanted performance we knew we were gonna get reliability with the engine later on, you know, and we've been more reliable later on on the season. Strategy, of course, you know, we've made some mistakes, uh, even drivers sometimes we've made some mistakes, but I think that that last race shows that we can also be perfect in reliability, drivers, Charles was perfect today, strategy was perfect today, the team. stops, the team was perfect today, better than Mercedes and Red Bull, so we can do the job, you know, if we really learn from where we have not been perfect, it shows this, this weekend that we can beat anyone. Just 105 days to go until yeah. the first race. Yeah, <laughs> we would like to start. I mean, I don't know if we'd like to start straight away, but uh, then but anyway, we have a lot of job to do because, uh, yeah, we have, to, we have to improve in those areas which we have today. Uh, yeah. to, do you know what, Mark? To it's
2: a good point. We got the test on Tuesday. How, how important is that as, as we then kick into the winter?
4: Not, not that much. I mean, I think it would be more important for teams that have new drivers, you know, Yes, we want to double check how these new tires affect the balance of the car to then do the final tweaks to the car next year. But uh, for some drivers, you know, like ours, I think it's like, wow, you know, still two days to go. No, it it is important, but as I say, for me, it's much more important for Fernando, for example, you know, that goes to Aston Martin than for us. All right, great race. Thank you, Mark. Thanks for your time. Thanks.
0: Well, he is, of course, right. They did a great job and actually really important for them to go into the winter break on a high like that. If you remember, we spoke on this podcast to him in Bahrain and he said it was going to be Ferrari's year. It went away from them, but for them to claw it back, I think will be, you know, they deserve big pats on the back. And and everybody wants that lift before what is really quite a long winter.
3: You know that expression, you're as good as your last race? You well, well, they did very well in their last <laughs> race, didn't they? So <laughs> it's the bits in between they've got to work on.
2: We've come and camped outside morning, Mercedes and... We've got the Wolves. The Wolves and a Russell are here now. Toto, can I bring you in first? Just your first retirement of the year, damn it.
1: Yeah, but it sums up the, the season that we had. Uh, it was so difficult. We had a few um, moments of, um, of performance. Uh, the last one in, in Brazil and I, we're really proud, not only it's uh, George's first win, but it was the win of the season and we finished first and second. So uh, there is uh, there is light at the end of the tunnel, but uh, uh, it was it was difficult. Well, let's end on a positive. By talk. Should we talk about Brazil?
5: I mean, we can talk about Brazil. I mean, we've got to take the, the positives away from the season. The journey we've been on as a team has been, been immense. Um, but by our standards, it's, it's definitely not enough. But there is a light at the end of the tunnel. Everybody's going to be working. Immensely hard over the winter, and we're going to hopefully come out next season, Bahrain, fighting and challenging those those guys in red and blue. George,
2: the journey the team's been on, yes, but also the journey you've been on this year.
5: Yeah, I mean, I feel I feel very fortunate to be in this team, teammates with Lewis, learning a huge amount, being pushed to my limits. You know, it's uh, not easy being teammates with somebody as as fast and and great as he is. But um, it has been a great year in many regards. You know, what we all do, every single person in this paddock, we are so fortunate to travel the world. Uh, Us driving, you know, the fastest cars in the world, around the best tracks in the world. I'm knackered now, but still, um, there's a lot to look back and be, be happy about.
0: A strong season, and it's good to finish on a high. It is long, though, Susie. I bet you are just grateful to get your husband back, aren't you?
1: I absolutely am, but you know what it's like. It's Everyone's working incredibly hard, and obviously the team has got a lot of work over the winter, so I'm not sure he's going to be at home that much over the next months, but I'm just as ambitious for him and the team as, as he is. So It's been a tough year, but like they've, they've both said, I think a lot's been learned, and and that's racing. You can't win everything. you know, You've know. For, for me, I just...
3: Like you used to win everything. It was great.
0: You know what? There are the benefits of having a for a wife I'm not sure anyone else would be quite so empathetic and sympathetic to the challenge ahead.
1: No absolutely I, I when I when we met each other 13 years ago or 14 years ago I, I said to myself I need to go for that one because she's the only one who's, who can understand what I do. <laughs>
5: Great, it's good to know that's all I've got going for <laughs> me. <laughs> you're not doing very well here, no, Tazer. You're <laughs>
1: making <it> this worse. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, and she drives cars faster than I and really great, and that's it. That's sexy, right? That's so sexy, that's a real <laughs> That's a real USB.
0: Go and have a long, well-deserved holiday. Enjoy it. Happy Christmas.
1: Happy Christmas. Merry
2: Christmas. Great to see those three. Ollie. You know, George said he's knackered, but I thought all three of them looked knackered.
0: I mean, you're all charm, aren't you, <laughs> aren't you Tom? They all look knackered. exactly what anyone wants to hear but I mean at the end of the day it has been an absolute marathon not just for them but I think it's quite interesting psychologically for George because here he was joining this multi championship winning team finally getting the break because let's face it he's been incredibly patient in his F1 career just waiting biding his time waiting to get that opportunity to really prove his talent and then he comes in and finds actually the car beneath him isn't capable of delivering a championship. Clearly has learned a lot this year, but it can't have been easy. I think one of the most impressive things actually about this year is the dynamic between him and Lewis. I think it's been phenomenal. They've really pulled together. There hasn't it doesn't feel like there's been any tension at all and they've helped each other. it's mattered most
2: look what about mercedes race today so george comes home in fifth place he gets that five second penalty for that unsafe release in the pits i mean that was just all unfortunate wasn't it
0: well let's start at the start though because actually it looked like he was really closed in there was no way past the ferrari and then suddenly norris pops up and takes a place from him then on top of that he has the slow pit stop and then the penalty and suddenly you know, 10 seconds is effectively added to his race. Well,
2: and how the performance fluctuated, I thought on the medium tyre, um, of course, you know, George seemed to have great pace and then it dropped away on the hard tyre a little bit. Hamilton, of course, had that moment at the chicane, didn't he, on the opening lap with Carlos Sainz, had a bit of damage underneath the car, had to give the place back, or the team asked him to give the place back to, to Carlos. Which
3: is very interesting, isn't it? Because that's not what happened last year. Similar situation. I mean, he saw mechanical failure. So Mercedes, mechanical failure, they are running things to the limit now. Uh, It may have been it it damaged something on the car by hitting the bump, uh, you know, hitting the curb, and that may have had some effect on on, uh, eventually on his retirement, it's possible. I don't know, they'll find out. But this season, the new cost cap regulations, it's hard to remember back to the beginning when this was a completely new set of regulations. This was all completely new. We didn't know which way it was gonna go. And I think it's been a huge success. There's still a few things that need uh, adjusting and we're going to see long term the effects of the cost cap having, uh, having a role to play and more pressure coming from below from the teams down the grid who can do more testing more development if they've got the money it will get more difficult to win in this formula uh, in years to come
2: We're now joined by Alpine team principal Otmar Safnauer.
6: Otmar, first of all, pay for you've done it. Yeah, exactly. Best of the rest was uh, our aim at the beginning of the season, and uh, it didn't come to fruition until the last race. So it probably feels even more sweet, so to speak, to have have done it uh, at the last race.
0: I guess one of the frustrations, though, has got to be the amount of points left on the table from Alonso, because he put in some epic performances this year. Reliability has just been a real niggle, hasn't it? It's
6: been a real niggle, and yes, a frustration from a driver perspective, but had we been reliable, uh, and as fast, because we made a conscious effort to uh, Produce a more performant powertrain, and and also uh, develop the chassis to the to the very end that we could for performance reasons. But had we had the performance and the reliability, I think we still would have only finished fourth. So in a, in a way, uh, it was a good learning experience. Finishing fourth, sorry for Fernando for sure. He got the short end of uh, of the stick there from a reliability perspective. But as a team, we couldn't have done any better.
3: You've had to hit the ground running. You came from a different team so your first year with Alpine. What has been the culture difference experience? You know. Uh...
6: Yeah, so you know uh, the, the culture there has changed, and it's hard to change culture. But I think they're at a place when, um, when it was Lotus that took it to a different place than when it was Renault in the past. And it was definitely different than what I was experiencing at Force India and, and Racing Point. And, and somebody said to me, you know, because I'm all for a no-blame culture. And I think to have a high-performing team, you can't be pointing fingers. You have to work together. And the bigger the team is, the more important that is. When you have a thousand people, you, you have to have psychological safety at work. And when I first got there, somebody said to me, you know what? We have a no-blame-blame blame culture. Which I didn't quite know what that was, so I, I try to figure out what that was, and we are working hard, and I think we're making great progress, and that comes from the leadership uh, on a no-blame culture. And when we're there, we'll pull together even more, work even harder, enjoy enjoy our work, and and uh, the quest for the top three will become easier.
0: I'm really intrigued by the concept of a no blame culture because of course it makes sense, but also there has to be an element of accountability. Someone has to own it when there is a problem. How do you go about doing that? Yeah,
6: so no blame culture doesn't mean no accountability. What it means is you're allowed to take risks and make mistakes without being blamed. Uh, If you repeat those mistakes over and over and you're not at the right competence for that job, then we have to do something different. And that's either training so you get the competence or do something that you're competent at. But that doesn't mean accountability is lost in a no-blame culture. Omar, let's throw it forward. You've got Pierre Gasly testing in a
2: couple of days' time. What's he going to bring to the team next year?
6: Well, you know, Pierre, as we all know, he's also French like Esteban. So we're going to have two French drivers. And how how good is your French? Mine is non-existent, but he's fast, he's experienced and he's still young. So, you know, that combination, I could say about both of our drivers Uh, and they're fast, they're experienced, they have over 100 races each and they're still 26 years old. So it's a good combination. Fernando Alonso, who you now know very well, is going to the
2: team that you knew very well prior to the start of this season. How do you think they're going to bond?
6: Let's see. Let's see. Fernando, once he puts the helmet on, wants nothing more than to finish as high as possible. And he's still like that. He's a, a supreme competitor. Uh, and I'm sure there will be, uh, you know, things that uh, Aston will appreciate. But let's see what happens Um you know, when the helmet's on.
0: I feel like you've earned yourself a large glass of red. Go and enjoy it. And please just have a little bit of a break, will you? A little bit of a holiday?
6: Uh, well, a week in America to, uh, you know, um, take in Thanksgiving, which I haven't done in a long time, collect my son from university. And then when we're back, it's work until the 24th of December. We got next year's car to build. Good it.
5: Thank you. So much. Bon chance.
6: You. Yeah. Bon <laughs> chance. <laughs> I know what
2: that means. Bon chance indeed uh, to Otmar. Now, when I look at the top 10, it was pretty quiet, except for, I think, the guys who are leaving. Uh, yeah, 9 and 10. 9 and 10. Yeah. Daniel Ricciardo, Sebastian Vettel. I mean, why don't we actually talk about the four guys who are not going to be on the grid next year? And
0: oh, don't. W- You're going to get me emotional. Well...
2: Let's go, let's go in order, finishing okay. positions. Daniel Ricciardo, P9. We know the nature of this game and it's very cruel
0: and it's, it's very ruthless. hard. And I know, it's, and, and I get it, but it or for, you, for me yeah. it's a real issue that an eight-time Grand Prix winner is going to be the third driver for Red Bull. I mean, that's just, that's just, that's just weird.
3: Why is Mick Schumacher not got to drive for next year? He
0: crashed too many times. It, it was too costly for us.
3: Sebastian but Vettel. But again,
0: well, he's going on his own terms. Yeah. And, you know, very emotional to bid him farewell. But I felt like the whole weekend was about Seb, and that was lovely, and it was fitting.
3: The way that the sport is presented now, is there's a lot of very good positiveness and that's great Uh, but underlying everything is always going to be the bottom
2: line and the bottom line is you win or you don't or you're quicker and you're not and and that's going to rule your life the bottom line is also financial and I think it's fascinating that Nicholas Latifi let's not forget a race winner in Formula 2 he comes with a bit of cash he cannot get a place on the grid in 2023 there is such strength in depth Mm. in terms of talent now that there is no room for a pay driver in formula one and i don't think there's ever been the case
0: well i think that's got to be a good thing as a whole for the sport that talent is you know taking precedence over money on a personal level i'm going to miss them all i hope it's not the end for daniel i feel like he really does need a break I feel like it's taken its toll on him the last 11, 12 seasons. COVID particularly, on a personal level, he didn't see his family for two and a half years. Now, I don't know about you, but I would be half the person that I am if I didn't see my family for two and a half years. Like, you know, this is the big mental game, Formula One. You have to be on it. And you have to feel the support and love of your kind of inner circle. I
2: I think huge, huge credit to Daniel that at no point, even when things have been going really badly, and I'll I'll say what I said a minute ago, which is I'm so pleased for him that he finished in the points and was relatively hooked up this weekend, but at no point when it was going pear-shaped did he ever, ever slag the team, get involved in any politicking there. He just took it on the chin... And, and, and I thought was incredibly professional in that way. Uh, I agree. I, I think it's,
3: I put, he puts on a very brave face, I know that. I mean, it's, uh, I think he's hurting inside, but he's never shown uh, that or felt asked for any sympathy. How was he in the pen at
2: the end of the race?
0: Um, I think, you know, fairly emotional, but keeping a lid on it, as he has been able to do for a lot of this season. Um, His mum and dad and sister and brother-in-law and some of his mates and his niece and nephew are all here this weekend. It's his little nephew Isaac's birthday today. It's his trainer and best friend Michael's birthday tomorrow. So there's a sense of celebration, but there's also definite emotion for everyone because they're wondering if it is the end of an era. Hopefully it's just the end of a chapter and he'll go away, reflect, push the sort of regenerate button and come back stronger for it.
2: Well, it is the end of an era when we talk of Sebastian Vettel. I've got a little confession to make. One of the reasons we're sat down to do the podcast this week is because, you know, Seb had this run the track thing last you night. You pulled your hammy? I did.
4: Did you? Oh <laughs> and my I can't Oh, my God. Walk, or I'm struggling to walk. Kidding. Yeah.
2: But it was a wonderful moment on Saturday night when um, Sebastian ran the track. Mick Schumacher ran it as well. I guess 300 people. Did I? Were I, I didn't see either of you two there. Well,
0: well, we did. <laughs> I was there
2: at the start, but I had to.
0: Uh, we did. We both I, went I'm to the start, run. and then we went for no. a curry. <laughs> no, I'm no, no, no. We went for his leaving drinks, and look, we're, like everyone in this paddock, big fans of Seb. Yeah. I don't know about you, Damon, but I've seen over the last. 12 years of being in the sport, a real change in him. Yeah. But I yeah, great. really pin it on him becoming a father. I yeah. think he changed completely when he became a dad. Yeah. So I had to care more about the world around him, about the way he interacted with people. He wasn't perhaps quite as ruthless as he has been in the past. Not wasn't all about winning. He was seeing a bigger picture. And he's just a genuinely lovely bloke who wants to make a difference in the world. And by the way, I loved... Beyond on the grid with you and him that is one of the best podcasts i've listened to in a long long time
2: i'll pay you later thanks now No,
0: i really mean that it got me quite emotional particularly when he's talking about his wife yeah hannah oh. lovely to
2: see hannah and the kids here this yeah, weekend lovely. as well but just to go back to my run and the hamstring oh,
0: oh here we go yeah. you're making it
2: now. <laughs> much more important than yeah. sebastian vettel full-time yeah. world champion just about oh. to retire after uh, a fantastic glittering career wow. Yeah. What was so fantastic is that, i I say, there was 300 people running or something like that. And Seb, I would reckon, ran with pretty much all 300 people. So you'd be running along and he'd suddenly just come and join you and whoever you were running with. Then he'd sprint on ahead of you and join another group. Then he'd drop back behind you and join another group. And then he stayed until the last person crossed the line about an hour after the first person crossed the line. He stayed and congratulated everyone as they crossed the line. And I just thought that was the mark of the man. The night before his last Grand Prix it had gone 10 p.m. And uh, just what a guy, what a guy. And what a race. He's been, I said, Daniel's on it. Seb in qualifying. I haven't seen as good a qualifying performance from him. Yeah, he was certainly sublime. in his Aston Martin career. Yeah.
3: I agree. I, mean, I had heart and mouth moment actually when he passed those guys that are pulling out of the way. He sort of threaded his way through cars that were doing no mars now and he's absolutely flat out on a qualifying lap. So uh, it is really interesting. I think the psychology of this, of any sport, is fascinating. And I think I'm but I'm particularly interested in how drivers can reignite that passion for driving. When once they've if they've got a tiny bit of doubt, let's say you're doubting whether you want to be a racing driver anymore. Oh, uh, you're not enjoying it. Very difficult to perform well. Once he's made that decision, okay, I'm not going to be a racing driver, and suddenly he went back to driving. This is my theory. You know, he's he's gone back to enjoying it just for the sake of driving. I, I'm in a Formula One car. I'm going to enjoy myself. And suddenly he's delivering uh, pace again.
2: Do you think we've seen the last of him?
3: Well, no, we haven't seen the last of him. He'll be back in Formula One in some capacity because we're interested in him. He has a, been a huge part of this sport. So who uh, will be back to uh, contribute in some way. But I think he probably needs a bit of space and perspective. That's uh, certainly was my experience. Anyway, I, I wanted it's, it's blinding this, this sport. You see the world from the paddock, from the from the grid, from from your cockpit. And, you know, to be able to stand back from all of that and see Formula One in the context of everything that's happening in the world. Formula One will never look small, but it's not the dominant story in, in the world. And I think that's where someone like Seb, he can't help but know that that is there's something else going on and, and that you can't control the world. or, your, or Formula One it cannot, is limited in what it can do to solve all the world's problems.
0: So interesting, because when you're in Formula One, it does feel all consuming, doesn't it? You, you, you forget there's a life outside, but I don't have
2: time. I think particularly for these drivers, no, they're going, you know, we just do the races, they're going to the factories and doing simulators and doing sponsor days. This will be the first time Seb's come up for air since 2006. He will be able to
3: wake up the start of 2023 and, and make his own schedule, which is liberating but also quite scary. But uh, he's very young and you know, he's, I stopped when I was 40, how old is he, 35, 36? So he's still very, very young, really.
0: Well I think brilliantly he's using his platform and you didn't see that at the start of his career that's definitely something that's evolved some of the things he's done this year like going on question time and going and meeting those kids at a um, youth offenders centre actually around the corner from us at home it's just socially aware he's just like in a way that a lot of the drivers aren't yet. And you know, that's not their fault. They've got a lot to think about. As you say, you don't come up for air, but he's been doing that increasingly throughout this year and now feels like the right time to go for now. Is there another
2: driver on the grid who would have got all 20 drivers to go out to dinner with? Well, actually,
0: I think yes. I actually think they all would because I think there's a camaraderie, a friendship and a depth of respect between them that we don't necessarily talk about enough. I think they actually care a lot about each other. Did all
2: 20 drivers go out to dinner to celebrate the end of your career in 99? Uh, They
3: didn't miss a beat. They just carried on uh, (laughs) as normal and probably thought, thank God he's gone. Um, No, they didn't. No, they didn't. I I mean, it was... They certainly didn't. I just need (laughs) to... Dear listener, they certainly didn't. Back then, there wasn't quite this camaraderie that uh, Natalie was talking about. I think that was reignited after Joe Bianchi. I think they all decided okay we have a responsibility for ourselves they got back involved in the gpda and Alex Verts did a lot of work for them there and they found that they had common cause in lots of areas
2: friend of the show alex you are you're lucky this is the last
7: one <laughs>
2: yeah it is well, and, and it is actually the last show of the year as is well is this
7: series podcast going on next year
2: we're thinking of calling
7: it the alex albon <laughs> show next year i leave the track when you guys start this and so what i need to be doing is think planning my yeah, but, exit of the circuit better well, so i need to leave Damon, and natalie earlier, and i are all over leave this later but No, because we go up to williams guys. first to say when's <laughs> he
2: leaving
0: yeah yeah exactly. <laughs> i actually i'm loving the fact that we've got your missus on the show oh. tonight yes
5: lily go <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> wow i feel famous I feel um, famous. You are, you are definitely <laughs> with your me, Trust
7: me, this, this is not a show you want to be on.
5: <laughs> uh, back in quarantine, we actually tried to start a podcast. Uh, we we already, had our pilot episode and it was not it. <laughs> yeah. what,
0: was it like a couple's podcast?
5: I guess. We were bored more than anything. <laughs>
0: I would love to hear you two to a couple's podcast.
2: Actually, as you were joining, we were just discussing the dinner on Thursday night.
0: You said would any other drivers be able to command all of the drivers on the grid going to one dinner? And I said that I think there's a, the depth of friendship and camaraderie and respect between everyone on the grid that yes. probably we haven't ever seen in Formula One before.
7: I I I, I agree. I feel like, and even the, I think the older guys talked about this, that I don't know how it was for you, Damon, but there was a bit more of like a enemies, rivals, rather than... Um, Enmity. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And, and I mean almost uh, a sort of
3: Schadenfreude. If someone had bad luck, everyone was happy. Exactly.
7: <laughs> and I think it's it's different. Where we're still kind of friends. Obviously, when we you see the racing on the track, it's, we're not friends on on the circuit. But at least off the track, we spend so much time with each other. You know, we're doing twenty three, twenty four races yeah, yeah. now. I see, unfortunately, my teammate Nikki or George or whoever more than I do Lily and. That's just the way it is, and and you kind of build a friendship. And I've raced against all a lot of the drivers for since I was eight nine years old. So I've spent a long time with them. And um, and yet there's also this thing where I think the drivers who have been in the sport for a while, Lewis, Seb, um, Valtteri, Daniel, they're all super nice guys. They make us feel very welcome, and it makes everyone feel like a family. And um, it's really nice. But the, the, the dinner, truthfully speaking, it was it was really special. It was. A lot of fun. I think every driver, myself, I, my cheeks were aching, just smiling and laughing um, the whole time. So it was really good. I'm, I'm really glad that it's like that.
3: Honestly, uh, and I'm, I'm really sorry I didn't experience that myself. My dad experienced it in his day, because in those days they were bonded by the, the danger and, and, they, and they traveled a lot more together, and so they were, but there was this awful bit in between where, where everyone started to hate each other and, and, it, it, and you know. It's- I, I,
0: can I just ask a question though, which I think is crucial about this dinner? Who had the alcohol-free drinks and who tried that really expensive Margot?
7: I feel like I feel like I get in trouble to to say. I think who, who goes what on tour stays what did, on tour exactly. Actually. Exactly, that was that was a strict policy of the dinner itself. We can't yeah. say what happened. There was a very good stories being told. I was going to ask you what did you eat only because there's this rumour going
2: round that the bill was 140 Not, grand. What a load right? of rubbish! No, so here's the thing. I looked it was up. £250. <laughs> I looked up and thought, what is the most expensive yeah. meal you so can it buy? So was actually about ten pounds um do you know what there is actually a taco that you can buy in cabo mexico for 25k what's in it gold leaf right kobe beef etc etc yeah, yeah.
7: so but if you're gonna no, have gold no. you
2: don't want to eat it do you? we're normal
7: people <laughs> you know we're not uh, <laughs> we're not here expecting caviar on our plate and gold spoons and if it's not gold i'm not eating it we had a set menu there's a lot of people with um dietary Requirements like obviously Lewis is vegan and all that kind of thing. Lewis covered the bill, very nice of him. He organised it as well, very nice of him. So he he knows what the bill was. So that bill, I saw that bill. That bill was from um, the uh, Nasser, the the Salt Bay guy. We didn't yeah. even eat there. No. We ate in a place called Haggasan. I, I which was joking. Was I don't Chinese believe place. for a
2: second it was 140k, Alec. No, but before you go, we must just ask. Look, year as a whole, sum it up. What needs to happen over the winter to? kick
7: forward so obviously we were attending the constructors this year it's not where we want to be it's obviously not where williams want to be and it's a tale of two halves where when i look at the season as a whole i'm very happy about it i feel like you know i've had a year away from the sport and it's not always guaranteed your success coming back and now i'm confident in myself but there's still that what's going to happen when you, when you do get back and I felt like the way that my season unfolded, personally speaking, has gone really well. I, I, I feel like it's been my best year in Formula One. I feel like I've grown a lot from my first year in Formula One and, and where I see myself now, I feel, you know, I feel like I've really gelled with the team and we can achieve and we will achieve great things. It's obviously been a year where we haven't been competitive. You know, we, we, we came out the blocks in Barcelona and we knew it was going to be a tough year, but we got points, we had some very good races took advantage of strategy and and scenarios and I feel like if you look at our year, we got points when we shouldn't have and it puts us in a good place because I feel like as a team, as as where we are, we really do maximize a lot of what we have. And if we can have that car that is just that little bit better, you know, getting through to Q2 more often, scraping at the points, I feel like as a team, we've got that package that we are going to do well when when we have that car. And it's clear to us, we really do know where our car is weak. Of course, there's the other issue of, now you've got to go and fix it and you've got to find them, cure them weaknesses in the car, but we have a direction to go in. And so, yes, I I feel like, personally speaking, very happy. Performance wise, not so much, but I don't see why we can't change that.
0: I can't let you go without asking Lily how your golf is.
5: Uh, It's been improving. Do you mean mean, that?
7: She she's sounding so nice right now. (laughs) She she talks so much. No, I need to defend myself. Asterix T. No, he's unteachable,
5: unteachable. Yeah, but he's complete chaos on the course. Imagine pure chaos. That's Alex. You know, chaos and golf don't go hand in hand. They're not.
7: (laughs) The etiquette of golf is quite a formal. You know, there's a rules to do.
5: And there I am
7: running around hitting balls. Losing balls, yeah. um, walking uh, when people are putting, I'm running around. When it's people really are doing not uh, in great. their backswing, I'm laughing, I'm dancing. I think I embarrass Lily when I'm on the course. Does yeah, he? Yeah,
5: it's more of a- Yeah, I do. At the beginning, I was like, oh, you know, this will be fun. Like, we get to spend quality time together yeah. while golfing. But no, it's pure chaos, and it's more of a headache <laughs> than anything else. The thing is, is,
7: obviously, when I play with Lily, she's practicing. She's, she's getting into tournament mode, so it's hard for me
5: it's almost a little
7: bit awkward because <laughs> because I'm I'm there I'm trying to no. act professional I'm trying to act courteous but I'm not I'm uh, no but it's, I'm it's not. really I'm, not I'm, 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 as she says I'm, I'm apparently I'm chaos <laughs> and uh, and she's not the only person saying that so clearly yeah. I am anyway. it's
5: not the it's not the beginner golf that's the issue it's. You know, the yelling, the swearing, the the wanting to throw I do, the club, no <laughs> running around. I, I do. love this. this is a true inside your character, Alex. I love I it.
0: I do
7: I do no such thing. <laughs> I am a, I'm a great golfer.
0: What have we started, T C? <laughs> Listen guys, go and have a yeah, lovely look, break. Thank you oh, so
2: gosh. much. And Ale thanks for all the contributions over the year. Have a have a great winter. We'll see you in hundred and five days time. I don't
7: look forward to it. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Don't start a podcast over the winter. (laughs) Guys, thank you. Thank you so much. We'll see you soon. He mentioned Nicholas Latifi. He's moving on. We wish him well in whatever comes next. He mentioned on uh, the sister podcast to this, Beyond the Grid, that maybe uh, a career in IndyCar beckons. So good luck with that. Final guy we haven't spoken about really is Mick Schumacher. Outqualified Kevin Magnussen this weekend in his final Grand Prix for Haas. What do we feel, guys, about... Him having to make way for Nico Hulkenberg next year.
0: I kind of get it. I get, I get the decision that Günther's taken because when you're a midfield team and you've really got to secure those all important kind of top ten finishes, you know, points. You can't leave anything on the table. You certainly can't crash the car and cost the team money. But I also feel it's a shame because Mick is a a great guy. Nico's a great guy too. It's lovely to have him back. Oh, I don't know. I'm, I'm torn because I think that. You could argue a case for Mick staying on the grid. You could also argue a case for him not being on the grid. And Gunther had that decision, and, you, and it clearly weighed on his mind because he took a long time to make it.
2: Damon, Nika Holkenberg has hasn't raced regularly in Formula 1 for three years.
3: He's made a few comebacks, which have been pretty impressive considering the amount of time he's been out of a car. And he has got quite a few races in his bank, hasn't he? Uh, so, I don't so that think doesn't he's too worry fu- you because
2: no, the reason uh, I say that is Fernando Alonso says it took him more than half a season to get back up to speed last yeah. year in Formula One. And he'd only been out for two years and he'd been racing consistently in WEC and Dakar yeah.
3: and all sorts of other things. No, I, I, I think it's hard to once you've had a break. I think it's very hard to get fully up to speed, but he's not under pressure in the same way that Mick was. I think Mick was under a lot of scrutiny, a lot of pressure, and I think that it got to him in the end. I don't know where he gets his advice from, but I think he probably found it was harder than he thought Formula One and there's some other aspects to it, which, which you only get from, from years of being in the sport, which I think Nick Hulkenberg has had, and therefore he can concentrate on delivering for the team. And that's why they, the team ultimately need people who can just do the job without putting them under stress.
0: I also think from Haas' perspective, they were burnt by the year of two rookies. Having two rookies in the team didn't work for them and I know it was a far less competitive car but they, they need, I suppose, a safe pair of hands, an experienced pair of hands to give them the feedback and, and to deliver. Whenever there's points available, bag them and I guess that's why they've gone for Nico.
2: So the top 10 looks like this. Max Verstappen takes win number 15, would you believe it, of the 2022 season. Charles Leclerc is second, his fifth second place of the year. And Sergio Perez, last man on the podium, his second, third place of 2022. Then came Carlos Sainz in fourth, George Russell in fifth, despite getting that five-second penalty in the middle of the race. Lando Norris, the lead McLaren driver in sixth. Esteban Ocon, the only Alpine driver to make the flag in seventh. Lance Stroll was eighth. Daniel Ricciardo, ninth. And the man who's leaving Formula One, Sebastian Vettel, came home in tenth. Well, guys, I think that's almost it. Stop
0: it. it. No, don't. I hate goodbyes.
2: I tell you what, let's come up with a a highlight from 2022. Each of us. Who wants to go first?
0: I'm going to say George winning in Brazil because it feels as if, you know, whether you're a Mercedes fan or not, it's important for the sport to have Mercedes back at the front fighting. And I think it's good that we have Ferrari, Red Bull, Mercedes, you know, a three-way fight, if you like. Okay, clearly it was track specific. Clearly they've got a straight line deficit. They've got issues they've got to get on top of, Paul braking issues that have plagued them all year. But I think they've identified the problems now. They're shelving this car, they're moving forward, they've learned a lot as a team. Um, But also, he's just a very nice guy. So it's lovely to see a young Brit on the top step.
3: I would choose that one, but you've chosen it, so <laughs> I can't choose that one. Uh, or Kevin Magnusson's pole position, the, the the joy in his face, you know, and, and first time winners, there was Carlos Sainz, who, who won in Silverstone as well.
0: But do you know, hang on, uh, what we're yeah. missing here? What, we, well, we've we, got to celebrate Matt. Oh, that's
3: what I'm going to get around to. Oh, you okay, That's good, where okay. I'm going with this is ultimately it's very easy to forget. Because don't forget when you're out in front leading the race, the cameras tend to follow the action down the back. So you're out there in the front and, you know, they cut to you just for before he crossed the line. So it's sometimes quite a serene experience and quiet experience being up the front. He's not had the battles. He had some good wheel-to-wheel action with Lewis again in America and also he had some with uh, Charles as well in the early part of the season and that's how it finished and I think he's, some of his pole laps have been amazing and some of his absolute on the limit driving is is, is really I mean, gut-smacking.
0: Some of those performances that come from what 14th, 12th, 7th, You know, it hasn't come easy. Um, Obviously, he's got a great car, but Damon's point about the camera coverage of him, is testament to how well he did play it tonight. You know, he he took everything in his stride and there's been a few upsets. Brazil clearly unsettled him slightly. I think that whole disharmony within the team can't have been easy for him or Chaco, but they drew a line under it and they came back and performed brilliantly.
2: My highlight was Spa. Uh, when he came from 14th Mm. to win the race. I just thought that was sublime Max Verstappen. But let's not forget that I think as brilliant as this year has been for Red Bull, I actually think this has been a way more stressful season for the likes of Christian Horner than last year. And he said only after the race that he thought last year took out more from him than ever before. But this, with the budget cap and the politics of Brazil... There have been a lot of stresses along the way. And I I think for a team that has dominated to the extent that they have, I think he's uh, frustrated, surprised that they've come under fire to the extent that they have. Not everybody loves a winner. Their expression is or the idea is once you're
3: leading, you know, you're in a happy place. But there's also this other thing, which is that in this business, the guys, all these other teams want to bring you down, so you become a target, and it can be sometimes baffling why people, you know, they don't celebrate you're doing really well, and 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 there is that flip side to being successful as well. And I think he's he's experienced that a little bit this year. You know, they've been they've been trying to take a dig and poke to see if there's any weaknesses here and there, and it's been stressful from that point of view. And you want you want to be respected for the work you do and the hard work that goes into winning in Formula One. It is very hard, but not everyone's going to be happy you're winning. um, And that's just a sad fact of life.
0: Well, look, guys, I I feel a bit emotional in this moment because that's it for 2022. I'm so grateful for the season and for everything that's gone in the last nine months. But most of all, do you know I'm grateful for? You two.
3: It's been nice getting the gang back together, hasn't it, Natalie? Oh. And, and, I haven't and been Tom. drinking. Can <laughs> I just haven't... say,
0: I haven't been drinking.
3: No, you're, you're, you're absolutely speaking from the heart. And, and I, I, I want to say it's been great also having all our fans from around the world asking us hey, some what? questions. You know, this is probing F1 Nation, questions. after all. F1 Nation and Tom for looking after us. Because you do all the work, well, and, also,
2: <laughs> and also we do can, all the work. And, there's and, no I in team, Dave. There's no, and, and also our our engineer team as well, and our producer. Actually, thank you to Chris. Thank you to Karen and everyone at Formula One who helps make this podcast happen. That was Formula One 2052, F1 Nation. That is going
0: to do the rest. Produced by Formula One and Audio Boom Studios.
2: And we will see you in 105 days when we'll be reporting from the Bahrain Grand Prix.